Josh, another reason I think God has honored this book and used this book for His glory through the years is that it's, it's a personal story, isn't it? It's really your story, too. Well, it is. It came out of my struggle to find truth. Actually, it came out of my struggle to deny truth, to make a joke of Christianity. And after I came to know Christ as Savior and Lord, two things overwhelmed me. One is that God loves me, the creator of the universe is passionate about a relationship with me. But more than that, when I realize as a non-believer, the Creator God wants to spend eternity with me, oh, that caused within me a response, Wayne, that I want to spend eternity with Him. And then second, my mind is such that I need answers. I think more concretely and all, and I, I, I need some evidence. I need answers. When the Bible said, be ready always to give an answer, that fits right into my mindset. And so as I started to discover all this evidence about the resurrection, about the deity of Christ, about truth, about miracles, about the Bible being reliable and accurate, I just had this built-up desire, I want to share it with others. I want other believers to know this truth, because if they do, they are going to be more bold in sharing it with others. And then as they share it with others through a book like Morna Carpenter, others are going to say, oh, wow, this is just not a blind faith. This is not just something emotionally uh, you accept. But there is truth and evidence that supports the gospel. Josh, I'm so glad that we get to hear you read more than a carpenter in your own voice today. But once you're finished the reading, I have a couple of more questions for you. A question right now, though, is this book for young and old alike? Wayne, there's few resources out there that I've done or anyone else has done that bridges the generation gap, bridges the age gap. But I can't explain it, but Morna Carpenter is one of them. Morna Carpenter is being used more by young people, teenagers now, than ever before in all the years it's been out and the number of times that I've revised it. But at the same time, it's one of the top books used by lay people to share their faith with others. And I just think the Holy Spirit did something there in finding a balance, because I'm not that capable of a writer at all. But it does. It bridges the age gap, and it bridges the cultural gap between Hispanic, African-American, Asian, Caucasian. I just thank God for it. Well, Josh, I have been told that there are more than 15 million copies of More Than a Carpenter in print in use around the world today, and I just know God is going to use this book. Well, right now, let's turn to Josh McDowell reading his own classic book, More Than a Carpenter. Chapter 1, What Makes Jesus So Different? Recently, I was talking with a group of people in Los Angeles. I asked them, who, in your opinion, is Jesus Christ? The response was that he was a great religious leader. I agree with that. Jesus Christ was a great religious leader, but I believe he was so much more. Men and women down through the ages have been divided over the question, who is Jesus? Why so much conflict over one individual? Why is it that you can talk about God and nobody gets upset, but as soon as you mention Jesus, people so often want to stop the conversation? How is Jesus different from other religious leaders, like Buddha, Mohammed, Confucius? The reason is that these others didn't claim to be God, but Jesus did. It didn't take long for the people who knew Jesus to realize that he was making astounding claims. More than just a prophet or teacher, 
he was making claims to deity, presenting himself as the only avenue to a relationship with God, the only source of forgiveness for sins, and the only way of salvation. For many people, this is too exclusive, too narrow for them to want to believe. Yet the issue is not, what do we want to think or believe, but rather, who did Jesus claim to be? What do the New Testament documents tell us about this? We often hear the phrase, the deity of Christ. This means that Jesus Christ is God. A. H. Strong, in his book, Systematic Theology, defines God as the infinite and perfect spirit in whom all things have their source, support, and end. This definition of God is adequate for all theists, including Muslims and Jews. Theism teaches that God is personal and that the universe was planned and created by him. God sustains and rules it in the present. Christian theism adds an additional note to the above definition, and that note would be, and who became incarnate as Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus Christ is actually a name and a title. The name Jesus is derived from the Greek form, the name Yeshua or Joshua, meaning Jehovah's Savior or the Lord Save. The title Christ is derived from the Greek word for Messiah or the Hebrew Mashiach. This is found in Daniel 9 verse 26 and means anointed one. Two offices, king and priest, are involved in the use of the title Christ. His title affirms Jesus as the promised priest and king of the Old Testament prophecies. This affirmation is crucial for a proper understanding about Jesus and Christianity. The New Testament clearly presents Christ as God. For example, Jesus is called God in the phrase, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Titus 2 verse 13. The scriptures attribute characteristics to Christ that can be only true of God. Jesus is presented as being self-existent, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and possessing eternal life. Most of the followers of Jesus were devout Jews who believed in one true God. They were monotheistic to the core, yet they recognized him as God incarnate. Because of his extensive rabbinical training, Paul would be even less likely to attribute deity to Jesus, to worship a man from Nazareth and call him Lord. But this is exactly what Paul did. He acknowledged the Lamb of God, that is Jesus, as God when he said, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Acts 20, verse 28. Peter confessed, after Christ asked him who he was, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. Jesus responded to Peter's confession by acknowledging its validity and source. When he said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 16, verse 17. John the Baptist announced the coming of Jesus by saying that the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven. Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Luke 3, 22. Then, of course, we have the confession of Thomas better known as the doubter. Perhaps he was a graduate student. He said, I won't believe unless I can put my fingers into his nail scars. I identify with Thomas. He said, look, 
Not every day does someone raise himself from the dead or claim to be God incarnate. I need evidence. Eight days later, after Thomas chronicled his doubts about Jesus before the other disciples, it says Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. John twenty twenty six to 29. You see, Jesus accepted Thomas's acknowledgement of him as God. He rebuked Thomas for his unbelief, but not for his worship. At this point, a critic may interject that all these references are from others about Christ, not from Christ about himself. The accusation in the classroom is usually that those at the time of Christ misunderstood him as we are misunderstanding him today. In other words, Jesus really didn't claim to be God. Well, I think he did. And I believe that the deity of Christ is derived directly from the pages of the New Testament. The references are abundant and their meaning is plain. In the Gospel of John, we have a confrontation between Jesus and some Jews. It was triggered by Jesus curing a lame man on the Sabbath and telling him to pick up his pallet and walk. In John 5, verses 16 to 18, it says, And for this reason the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But he answered them, My father is working until now, and I myself am working. For this cause, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also...